Hello and welcome back to Kairos. My name is Joshua Pfeiffer here today with Ben Schubert. Ben, good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So, um, Ben Schubert is here today partly because one of my regular viewers or listeners out there read an article that he wrote in um, this magazine, which is called The Lutheran. This is the magazine of the Lutheran Church of Australia. And back in August this year, 2019, there was an article by Ben called Free to Walk the Rugged Path. There it is. And one of you out there suggested it'd be good to catch up with Ben and just find out a bit more about who he is and expand on some of the uh, themes that come up in this article. So thanks, Ben, for being willing to do it. Pleasure. Um, so maybe you can begin by just telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, what you're doing professionally in life, so to speak. Sure. Um, so I am a PhD student at the University of Adelaide um, in mechanical engineering. Uh, my main focus is on wave energy, so boys on the water moving up and down, generating electricity from that. Hmm. Um, so kind of a bit different uh, to, to, I guess, a lot of um, people within the church. Uh, I find that there's not a lot of uh, the, the academic routes taken. Mm. Um, I'm quite involved with my church um, and have been involved with a lot of youth ministry in the past. Uh, now on DCC, District Church Council, I'm um, getting involved uh, on that in that capacity. Um, I'm yeah, really interested in science and faith, and it's one of mm. my favourite topics to discuss and right. flesh out. You're married? I am married, mm -hmm. yes. Newly married-ish? Yeah, it's now been what, a year and a half or so, a year Good and a bit. Good man. Yeah. We recently got back from Europe um, for our one-year anniversary. That was pretty nice. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and so, yeah, you began to touch on those issues of, of faith and science, I guess, you know, the um, science or engineering faculties at universities may not be the first places people normally think of as being, what would you say, especially receptive to a Christian worldview or something mm. like that. But how have you found that? What's it been like working in that sort of, um, both studying and working in that sort of space as a, as a Christian person? Oh, look, it's really interesting. Um, because in, in one sense, you've got all these very bright people, very well thought out, um, and from there, reference frame, the conclusions that they've made are completely sound. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're operating from a fundamentally different worldview, uh, like God created this world, um, that changes, and, and he saved us, that changes the way you operate and the way you interpret things. Um, for example, studying science, you learn a lot about the mechanisms or how we think things were formed, um, but in reality, like it always takes a little bit of faith to trust the, the theories. Mm. Um, and that's not discounting from them because it's not, it's not really our place to judge how things were made. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's really interesting to coexist with these people and people of different faiths as well. Mm. Mm. Um, I'd say that's certainly a minority yeah. within the academic community. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think in your article, I've got the quote here, I think at one point you talk about um, I, I like this turn of phrase, the shallowness of the juxtaposition between faith and science. Um, and, so, and so for you, you know, overall, I guess, what has been the impact on your faith in, in you know, studying science and have there been challenges for you along the way? Definitely. When we look at uh, 
faith from a perspective. It's, it's touching again on those fundamental worldviews. Um, if we try to understand the world from just one side, just the this is what is here and we can only believe in what we observe, mm -hmm. uh, we only get some of the picture. And we, we know this from uh, things like quantum mechanics. Uh, like I've studied quantum mechanics, I'm doing a bunch of stuff with magnets and with fluids, and there's, there's so much stuff that we kind of understand a little bit, bit about what we see and can rationalise that, but we don't understand the fundamentals as to why. Right, so no matter which path you take, it's going to require a bit of a, bit of a trust in what we have. And so for the layperson, I know you can't explain quantum mechanics, no doubt, to a layperson, but what, what, like, what are some of those um, unexplainable things that, you know, in quantum mechanics for, for, for the lay, you know, non-scientist sort of person? Sure. So, so say you've got a laser, right, and you shine it through um, a couple, like a picture of a wall with two little slits in it. If you fire a laser in between that, what would you expect to see? The laser the... come through on the other side. Right, so would you expect to see two lines? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we don't see that. Mm-hmm. We see a wave pattern, so an interference. Mm -hmm. It's like we've put water through it, and these waves are interacting, and mm. up and down, and up and down. So we see lots of lines forming. Hmm. And we see the same thing when we shoot electrons and really small particles through. Mm -hmm. So scientists one day said, all right, we need to figure out what's going on here because these are, this is matter. It shouldn't be behaving like this. So they started to observe which slit the electron's going through. And then all of a sudden, no wave pattern. So it's really <laughs> weird. It is. Right? So mm. it's all of these kind of experiments that it's absolutely fascinating to find out about how our world works. Mm -hmm. But there's just so much we don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's not um, saying, you know, believe in God because God we don't the understand gaps things. Yeah. yeah, God of the gaps. Mm -hmm. But it's just, um, it's exemplifying how complex this world is mm. and, uh, you know, how, how little we are. Mm. You know, and I, th I think it certainly supports um, the argument that no matter which way, you look at it, you need a bit of faith to understand what's going on. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, thank you for your attempt to explain quantum mechanics <laughs> to someone like, like me. But, and it sounds like you know, humility is one of the things that, um, that your Christian faith brings to you know, your science and sort of interacts with it, if, if you like, but it, this, come with this understanding that we don't, we don't know everything and, and that there are mysteries um, out there and inexplicable things. And, um, but that you know this fundamentally different worldview which you approach it can either sort of um, you know it can lead you through science to to some sort of materialism and that's all there is or just to look in wonder at all of the universe God's made and the the things we don't understand still and that sort of thing mm. yeah and so overall then it sounds as if the um, you know some of your studies and your work it has there has been a time of um, challenge, but also growth in your faith. Uh, um, but overall, here you are as a Christian working in that area and, and quite happy and, and you don't feel conflicted or anything like that, as some people would suggest should be the case, I guess. Mm. Yeah, well, I think um, my, my father once put it uh, that, that science and faith were two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just looking at it from different angles. And I think that's a really good image of it and probably encaptures... Uh, my perspective on uh, how I'm approaching this because it's 
you know, we, we can look at all the math and we can do all this research. And that's really interesting, um, mm. but it's not the meaning of life. Mm. And that's the Christian perspective. Mm. You know, it's not um, fundamentally why we're here on mm. earth. It's fascinating mm. and it's an area in which we can use the gifts that God give us, mm. that God gives us. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's just, it's coming from, it's from where you're looking and, and how you're yeah. approaching life. Yeah, yeah. it's so fundamental that there's, you know, there's, as wonderful as science is and as much as it's, you know, helped us wonderfully in the modern world, mm. like there's, there's no experiment that you could do in the lab that can tell you why you're here <laughs> and what your purpose in life is, I would, I would suggest. You know, and these, these are actually the, the questions that the, in every human heart, you know, that, that people spend their lives trying to, to find a way to live, live through. And, uh, um, one of the reasons, I guess, that you were writing this too was that, um, as you said in your introduction, you're a young Christian, relatively speaking, and uh, you've been involved in youth ministry, but you've sort of... Um, stepped up and taken on some significant responsibilities in, in the life of the church at a time when a lot of people see young people perhaps drifting away um, from, from the life of the church. Um, and so perhaps you can tell us um, a little bit about that and I guess particularly what, um, what helped you in that journey through, I guess, from sort of youth, young adult into some sort of more, you know, mature involvement in higher levels, that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, first point there, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I stepped up, but I'd say I stepped back. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I was the youth leader, mm-hmm. uh, um, and me stepping away kind of forced another youth leader to step up and mm-hmm. kind of take charge and, and be the male youth leader that... Uh, is the mentor to all these young guys. Yeah. So me stepping away allows for other people to move up. And I think that same process is true in a lot of different areas and, and why I kind of stepped up. I, I was tapped on the shoulder to um, put my hand up for District Church Council um, on the floor of Synod. Um, <laughs> it's something I was thinking, um, right. certainly was, but as a young person, you're full of doubts. You're like, oh, surely. I don't mm. have much to contribute. Mm, mm. I'm, I'm just little. Mm. Um, but re- it's really valued. Like, mm. It's surprising how much of a difference there is in the perspective that a young person can bring. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying one's better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just I'm exposed to different things. Uh, I have a perspective of where the young people are at, what's going on in their minds. Mm-hmm. And that can be a useful asset. Mm, for sure. Yeah. And I want to come back to that in particular, but just before we do, for, perhaps for those who are not as familiar with the specific context that we're talking about, what is District Church Council? What does it actually look like? What did you actually get yourself into when yeah, you did well, this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I probably didn't know when no, I started. Of course. <laughs> um, so it's, it's the District Church Council of South Australia Northern Territory District of the Lutheran Church, um, and it's where a lot of the organisational matters uh, and large financial decisions and kind of the church as a whole where Mm. that's heading. Mm. Uh, Unfortunately these days it's not a lot of, um, well there is a bit of direction and what are we doing as a church, where can we support Mm. do this, but a lot of it is uh, kind of dealing with um, just everyday finance matters. Mm. I'm part of the finance subcommittee so Mm -hmm. 
I'm also, you know, being a numbers person, I find that quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but it's it's a lot of the organisational stuff. Uh, but you just, you hear some incredible stories mm. um, from all sorts of church organisations, and that's mm. been genuinely inspiring. Mm. Mm. You know, from uh, Lutheran community care stories to Aboriginal ministries, mm. Mm. you hear some you know breathtaking work that's being done. Right, and so your eyes are sort of widened to the bigger picture of our church out there, and that's yeah. Something, yeah. And so for for people from other churches, this district is equivalent to like a, a diocese in other churches, perhaps, or there's other language that's used in our particular circles. Yeah, as you say, it incorporates the South Australia and Northern Territory, which is a huge for international people. That's a huge area that it covers, um, and so and this is really the district church council in some ways is sort of the, one of the highest authorities for for those big decisions, and so it's significant roles and. Um, and and a lot to lot to deal with, and so you meet what once a month for a significant yeah, time, yeah. yeah. Lots yeah. of readings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of pre-reading, right? And and no doubt, you know, um, you've seen, as you say, um, inspiring things, encouraging things, and also challenging things as part yeah. of that as well. So, yeah, yeah. And so to to return then to your comments about the perspective of young people, what is your, um, I guess, your take on? You know the spiritual atmosphere among you know people your age, both within and without, both within and outside of the Lutheran Church, outside the church in general. Um, you know, I guess there's a lot of pessimism. It's fair to say about about this uh, on the whole. Um, that's partly what I think your article in here was. It was in the context of you know some pretty. Um, some pretty discouraging statistics, you know, across the board and that sort of thing. But what's your take on it? Do you see signs of hope among young people and are they still searching for God, those sorts of things? I think fundamentally we are the same in previous generations in that we are searching for something, but different in that we have had so much provided for us. We have had no stress, Mm -hmm. relatively speaking. Um, We've grown up in, speaking in Australia specifically, in one of the most well-off times, um, not necessarily true on all economic levels, but... Um, on the whole, yeah. On the yep. whole, very blessed. Um, we don't know what it's like to struggle and to have to put our entire life in the hands of something. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't have that experience. Uh, and that has certainly fostered faith. I hear stories when I when I first got married. I heard stories of um, people who uh, I would say have had successful marriages, and the early years of their marriage was them living on such a budget. You know, have to live in apartments that aren't necessarily safe. Mm. Um, you know, all sorts of crime happening. But you know, you you just do what you have to do. They cleave together, uh, mm. and they go through the hard times together. I, I hear so many similar stories from older folk in my congregation about like, um, you know, living in the garage for years while they build the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guys like working, um, you know, flat out during the week and they're coming home at night on the weekends to build the house that they then move into after a few years. Mm. It's just unimaginable in our generation to, yeah. to put up with this, you know. But. So, so I think that's, that's where we as young people are coming from. Mm-hmm. We haven't necessarily I'm not I'm speaking completely generally not, yeah, yeah. not for individuals of course but we haven't had this um, large broadband stress and that has forced us to cleave to God look to God um, because we've had such a good society our societal values have changed 
an insane amount over the past mm. 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, society's kind of not acknowledging any need for God. Uh, and I think, I think it would be naive to say that we aren't all influenced to that mm. to some extent. Mm. Um, but we, you know, we can look at uh, macro statistics and realise that you know, rates of depression are rising, people are feeling far less fulfilled in life. Mm-hmm. People are throwing themselves completely into a career only to come out and just feel depressed and down. You know, there's a certain searching that we are looking for, but it is not being fulfilled because I think, as I said, we haven't had the same exposure to that. So, you know, there's, there's fundamental differences in the experiences of those generations and that brings different perspectives. Um, you know, yeah, it's, mm. uh, there's challenges with that. Like you've got the benefit of insight of, and wisdom of the older generation, but we all know that as we get older, people tend to become a lot more conservative. You know, so I think that needs to be balanced out with the progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what can we actually do? What, what is at the heart of this? Mm-hmm. Is this decision we're making a Bible-based decision? Have mm-hmm. we brought God into this? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say the older generation mm-hmm. doesn't do that, mm-hmm. but it's very tempting to draw on your own experience mm-hmm. rather than submit humbly and let God lead. Mm-hmm. Whereas young people kind of have to do that without the lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the lack of experience. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, that's almost a contradictory point that we have to rely on God it's to compensate yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. But we haven't yeah. had the stress to rely our whole life on that. Yeah, yeah. And this perhaps leads into one of the other comments in your article, which was, um, I'll just get the, ex- the exact quote here. Yeah, you talked about, um, about the need to have um, honest conversations, I think, about difficult parts of the Christian um, journey. And so perhaps you can tell us a bit more about that. Um, you know, so is this, uh, does this arise out of any uh, particularly personal experiences for you? Or what, were, what did you have in mind when you talked about the need, particularly when working with young people, um, in having these on, honest conversations in the life of the church? Through my experience as a youth leader, um, I've interacted with a, a number of young guys that have asked excellent questions, you know, real integrity questions about, you know, should I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is coming from, you know, their life. Like, this is terrible. Why would God allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, these are the real questions that's on their mind that is at the forefront of what they're seeing. And it's a real shame that we haven't kind of responded to that very well. We in church, most of the church services I've been to, though they're really well thought out, um, and and they can be quite topical to different areas, I I worry that we're not always dealing with the ugly parts. Mm -hmm. You know, the the parts that are difficult to speak to. the suicide rates, you know, the, uh, like our church is shrinking. That's, you know, that can be a difficult conversation to have with people. But mm. uh, for a young person, the more pressing thing is, I feel down all the time. Mm. Why? Why has God created, why has God created me here to feel mm. down all this, all the time? Nothing works. Mm-hmm. Everything sucks. We've got to have um, the ability to chat, flesh that out. And do so in an honest, full of integrity manner. Hmm. The the rugged 
path is yeah. the na- yeah yeah that the yeah. the path is not smooth and easy but has its rugged edges and ragged edges like what what I hear you saying and 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 from this as well sometimes our desire is to want to to portray perhaps the Christian life or the Christian journey um, in in perhaps not so rugged terms if you like because we're trying to you know we, the, our intuition is perhaps that you know we want to paint something good that people will be attracted to whereas actually this is somewhat counterintuitive for people but it's about being real about the difficulties of life um, that is actually a way of connecting with people because this is where their lives are at this is what they're going through um, and um, and having those honest conversations and being willing to you know as you say walk this 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 rugged path um, is a better way forward perhaps um, so something that's come up just a couple of times as a sort of underlying thread in in some of your comments has been that you know um, things to, particularly to do with men's issues in particular so you were um, obviously you're a guy and so you had particular responsibility for young young guys in youth and that sort of thing and um, and we were talking before actually about you know some statistics you had read about um, the prevalence of suicide um, in the United States among particular groups of men and this sort of thing just wondering if you can comment on that a little bit more about obviously pressures on young people in general um, and and not wanting to say that there's there's greater or lesser depending on gender, but at least particular, I guess from a from a guy's perspective, you know, what are the particular pressures you see on young guys and young Christian guys and those sorts of things? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for starters, seven out of ten suicides in America in 2017 were white men, mm-hmm. and I think that's symptomatic of the way society is actually treating men. You know, because you're um, privileged, you, your opinion, and because you're part of this demographic that is privi- privileged, your opinion is instantly less valid, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not denying that class white men have had a pretty good run, mm-hmm. you know? We have had an, uh, a, a very stressless approach for a long time. Um, we have, however, it hasn't been a free ride. We've carried a lot of weight for the society. Um, a lot of keeping the order has happened. Like We can look historically who's, who's been the ones that have um, suffered in wars. You, know, you, you just look at our biology and it's very much clear that we're wired to be the defender. And that gets all mixed up and all of a sudden we mm-hmm. can be the attacker. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, one thing I, I quite like is the idea that you know, between guys in a workplace you know, you do try and get along a bit more because there is an underlying threat of physical violence, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. It's true and it kind of makes Mm -hmm. a little bit of sense. But getting back to um, the way uh, society ends up treating guys, um, there's this term of toxic toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of people out there that, oh, there's another white guy that's complaining that they're being picked on. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Might be a fair comment. But I think it's also very fair to mm-hmm. say that if you enable someone's ability to offer a viewpoint and to argue something, you take away their responsibility and their ability to contribute to society. It's exactly the same argument as this trend of OK Boomer. You know, My friends have been saying this, and it's a trend that's all over the internet at the moment, of OK Boomer, a way to dismiss uh, an old... Mm -hmm. I hate that because it dismisses the ability for someone to make an argument Mm -hmm. and that's just a lazy way to argue. Mm -hmm. 
mm. you know, it, it discounts the possibility that someone might know something a bit more than you. Yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for sharing that. And um, I mean, I, I've certainly noticed a lot of these same sorts of trends, and um, and I think that the whole issue with men's men's issues is just trying to just be real about the different challenges that that people are facing in our society at the moment across the board, but in different different ways, right? And that the mm. and that the the answer to me would seem to be not to. Um, of course, there are toxic forms of particularly. Um, masculine behaviour that's that's fairly obvious in history and in society mm. but the response would be um, to find what is a, a good and true masculinity rather than to the, the problem that seems to have arisen is that all masculinity has become toxic masculinity in mm. some sense and and, and it's um, the, the baby's been thrown out with the bathwater and um, my experience is that it will um, there are certain there's, there's certain instincts and drives there that can be channeled for good um, rather than evil, um, but they but they cannot be repressed in, entirely. Yeah. So that, that's another way of putting the same thing, anyway. But and I think specifically for young guys, um, in my experience, when you give someone responsibility and put them in charge of something, mm -hmm. that uh, that kickstarts their ability to start putting that to good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, providing a way for someone to out to, to provide an outlet for um, this idea of masculinity. Mm -hmm. I need to feel valued here. I need mm -hmm. to um, contribute in some way. I need to be responsible for something. That resonates with so many young guys. Mm -hmm. It really does. Mm -hmm. so come at this from different angles, thinking about your you know your professional work and study and faith and science issues, and thinking about your age and your service in the church, work your work with young people and. Um, different ways of uh, speaking and, and interacting with young people. As we begin to sort of draw it to a close then, um, you know, thinking about, I guess I have two groups of people in mind. I have, you know, potentially younger people who are watching this um, and I'm wondering, you know, what sort of final words of encouragement you would have, have to them. Also thinking about older people who are thinking, um, how do I speak with younger people in my life, either who are Christians or who have drifted away from God and, um, and, and wondering whether they have what particular words of encouragement you have for them as well, those two different groups. Sure. Um, well, for young people, I would say time to suck it up. Time to <laughs> pull your finger out and put your hand up for things. You know, you do have something to offer. And I'd go further than that. I'd say you've got a responsibility to offer it. Um, you have been given a gift from God. You're not going to get it right all the time. That's not the point. Mm. Um, but the point is that you do try and that you do move in the right direction. You know, put your hand up for something that is on your heart. You need to be real with yourself. Do you think um, you are called to do this? God will equip you. Right? And so you... Yeah, that's my recommendation. Like, get it, get prepared to move. Like, just do Step it. Step up. Mm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that's that's an annoying thing, but you know, you have a responsibility. Uh, and for so long, within the context of church, now, I think there's been a lack of responsibility given to young people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that allows us to fall into the trap of thinking yeah. things will keep going the way they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it breeds cynicism mm -hmm. that 
you know, I don't have a say here. And if you look in any sort of company, and the way you engage people, get your stakeholders in, engage them, collaborate together. Uh, I really like the phrase, the church is only ever a couple generations from dying. Mm -hmm. If we don't engage the young people, like, there's no point. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Engage, engaging young people and being ready to take that up as a responsibility, because that is your God-ordained responsibility to take part in his, the, the bride of Christ. So that's the word for you, young people. And, and you began to speak about the older folk as well, I guess, but any final words to them? Yes. Um, <laughs> suck it up. <laughs> Step away. Uh, you've got this benefit of insight uh, and wisdom and experience. You, one thing you can do is tap people on the shoulder. I am a big believer of that. And not necessarily forcing people into roles, Mm. That's, that's never going to work. Um, but tapping people on the shoulder with words of encouragement and say, mm. hey, I think you'd actually be really good on church council. Or, hey, I think you would be great at synod. Um, I know there's not a lot of young people going to synod. One thing that really helped me was people um, in the church congregation standing up and saying, we should get more young people to go to synod. What about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? Yeah, yeah. Um, and another word of advice for young people. If someone does that, don't be half-hearted and be like, oh, yeah, maybe. If you want it, <laughs> go for it. Like, just say, yes, I'm doing it. I would be delighted. I'd be honoured to. Um, but for older people, tap, tap the young people on the shoulder mm. and be prepared to step away. Mm. Provide opportunities for young people to step up. It's going to be messy. Mm. That's good. Um, it means you've got real life. You're living with integrity and honesty within the church if things are messy. Mm. Um, yeah, be prepared to step away, and that can be uh, a challenging and humbling thing to do if you've been a treasure, treasurer or um, a, an active member of a committee somewhere in the church. Mm. Providing an opportunity for a, young pe for a young person and mentoring them in that. Mm. Mm. If, yeah, stepping away doesn't mean... Yeah. Not supporting them anymore, yeah, but yeah. It's not abandoning. Being it's in the background, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so it's such an important emphasis, you know. Like, and I think it um, it moves away then from the rhetoric of, um, you know, we need need more young people. There's no young people. Well, I've said something. That's it. To actually, actively identifying. Job's that's done. right. Identifying and um, and speaking to someone. And I can I can tell you, like I, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a pastor today unless it was for people doing this at certain times in my life tapping me on the shoulder either literally or metaphorically through letters or whatever and just saying, I think, you know, you need to seriously consider this. And, um, and you can hear a message of invitation a hundred times, but when you hear that, that word, particularly from, you know, from someone within your Christian community, it just, it's just different. It just does something different. Yeah, and, um, and I know so many people for whom that's the case. And, um, and it's the way it is in every congregation that you... Um, Advertising generally for things is, is one thing, um, but specifically um, encouraging, inviting someone is a whole other thing. And so I'm glad someone did that for you. Yeah, and, um, so am I. <laughs> and I'm glad you're doing, doing what you're doing for our church. And so thank you for that. And thank you for your reflections today and, and the things you've been willing to talk about. And um, thanks for coming on. God bless you and into the future, Ben. Thanks very much.
Okay, well, we're back uh, with Mr. Ben Schubert for the bonus lightning round. Um, so, Ben, if you were an animal, what would you be and why? Uh, I'd, I'd like to say I'm a wolf, I think, um, but in reality I'm probably a sloth. <laughs> um, yeah, no, wolves are pretty nice. They've seven out of ten wolf hunts end in uh, failure, yet they're still an apex predator. Is that right? Yeah. Seven out of ten? Keep going, yeah. Okay. Persistence, very good. Uh, favourite movie? Oh, there's so many good comic book movies coming out lately. Comic book movie but, fan. But I think it goes back to, you know, it's got to be like Braveheart or something. Mm -hmm. Something intense. Mm -hmm. Something about a, a, a journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A rugged journey with yes. Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, and favourite band or musician? Oh, I do enjoy a bit of John Butler trio. Nice. Every now and again. They're still together? <laughs> I don't really follow. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite place in the world and why? Oh, Flom. Where's that? Norway. Okay. Middle of Norway. It's this tiny little town. It's only got 400 people, but it's nestled uh, in between the fjords. Mm -hmm. So you've got you know, a couple hundred metres high cliffs. You've got this beautiful green ground, um, grass there, and a river going right up mm. to the tip. It's just picturesque, as picturesque as you can get. Were you there for travel, for, for pleasure or work? Or? Yeah, my wife and I spent uh, a couple of days there uh, in September. Nice. Yeah, it was just breathtaking. Nice. We thought it was just a beautiful part of the world, mm. nice and quiet. Mm. Um, do you have any, uh, your most embarrassing moment? No, there's too many. <laughs> <laughs> just one. <laughs> uh, I think there's, there's been a number of times where I've spoken out on... Like in a group where there's perhaps more senior people, whether that's a group meeting in my PhD or you know a church meeting or something, mm. spoken out um, and made a fool of myself. But I, I still think like you got to do those. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm of the opinion that you should keep asking questions mm -hmm. until you fully understand it. Mm -hmm. yeah. At the risk of looking silly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, What's a book that we should all read that we probably haven't? <laughs> um, a book I quite like um, for you young guys is uh, Wild at Heart mm. by John Eldridge. Mm -hmm. um, I've read that. Mm -hmm. you, may not have, you may not have. Mm. I'm not sure. Mm. The other one that I haven't read but I've been wanting to is uh, 12 Rules for Life mm -hmm. from Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. I've heard great reviews of that. Mm -hmm. um, both of those, I think, are, they seem to be a little bit tailored towards uh, younger men. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's <laughs> that's where we can lift in society a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. We haven't sent good messages to them in the past. Mm -hmm. I can certainly I can certainly recommend both those books, and um, and you can see. Um, see our other video of, on Jordan Peterson on the on the channel oh, as well. Really? So, <laughs> not with Jordan Peterson, but about Jordan yeah, Peterson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and last one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Something that's kind of stuck with me that was just a small bit uh, was when I first got voted by my congregation to go to Synod. Um, one of the older guys pulled me aside and gave me the advice that, you know, it doesn't matter what people think, listen to the evidence that both sides that are put forward and form your own decision. Mm. And that, that stuck with me in like 
that's probably why I've had embarrassing moments in groups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it stuck with me in PhD, uh, going to conferences. You know, you can ask questions until you fully understand both sides, and mm. then you can form your own opinion. Mm. If you don't feel ready to form a, an opinion, that's a sign that you don't know enough. Yeah. So keep asking questions. Yeah. And often my experience is that yeah, there's this mood of the room that's going one direction, but then one person asks a question, and all of a sudden you discover a lot more people <laughs> were uneasy and had this question. That's right. And, and then it, yeah, so you, yeah. Just don't, you just don't know. If you've got a question, mm. like nine times out of ten, yeah. it's, everyone else has got the same question, so they're afraid yeah. to ask it, yeah. <laughs> to look silly. Yeah, it's good advice. Yeah. Very good. Well, thanks again, Ben. Pleasure.